0: morning if you could go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to pick back up uh, in our study that we've called Identified. And a lot of times if you're new here with us so just to communicate my name is Jake. I'm the pastor here at Crosspoint Community Church and it is truly my honor that you are here. If you're guests of the ones that were being dedicated this morning, man, I'm so glad that you're here. And really, I hope that if you don't have somewhere that you're attending, that maybe you'll come back and spend some time with us. And if not, just come back and visit us. man. we just, we love for people to come and we just want to be a space where people can come and gather and celebrate the Lord and His goodness. And so um, every time we kind of continue on I always like to recap just a little bit just so that it's uh, you know what's going on you know a lot of times when you come to church if you're coming into a series and you feel like you're coming into the middle of a movie and you don't know what's going on in the beginning but we've called this series identified and we've been walking through the book of Ephesians uh, the book of Ephesians is one of the most comprehensive looks at the doctrine of, of, of salvation who we are in Jesus Christ and then the last part what we're into now uh, not only our position but our participation in that, what it means to step forward with Christ as our, uh, as, as our Spirit leading us, Spirit guiding us, the Spirit who has saved us, and the Spirit that motivates us into every area of life that we move forward from that point. Not only walking in in, in the provision of the Lord, but also walking in that confidence. That's why we you know, Paul laid out in the first three chapters this is who you are in Jesus, because he wanted what we believe to enforce how we behave, right? He wanted what we believe to inform how we behave. So that's why he started to communicate to us in the beginning. This is who you are in Jesus. This is important. This is valuable. You need to know this before you even take a single step for him. And so this morning we're continuing in that as we uh, as we see in chapter four, Um, But last week we talked about uh, how our unity and our maturity are linked as a church and how that works for the growth of the church and the continuance of its purpose. For us as as Christians, for us as a local body of Crosspoint Community Church, as other local bodies in our community as they are doing their work, and as the the church on a, a universal scale as we work and we grow that unity and maturity are vital to the ministry that a church does. And moving forward. And so this morning we kind of continue off of that, but instead of talking about the unity of what's around us, we're talking about the unity within us. Okay? That, that we would be unified within ourselves and how we're stepping in the Christian faith, how we're walking forward in the Christian faith. And so uh, I I love this quote from C.S. Lewis as he's talking about. I love C.S. Lewis. And so if you hear I'm constantly every other message or so I'm mentioning him. But I, I love this this quote speaking specifically of the walk of a Christian, the progress of a Christian. This is what he says. He says progress means getting nearer to the place you want to be. And if you have taken a wrong turn, then to go forward does not get you any nearer. If you're on the wrong road, progress means turning around, walking back to the right road. And in that case, the person who runs back soonest is the most progressive person. So for us as Christians, it's much more than just being in motion in our life, but our motion being in the right direction. All right. That God has called us to be walking in a specific way and that if we've taken a wrong path to continue to progress in that path is actually to move further away from where we need to be, where Jesus, where God would tell us that you need to stop and you need to be in the right place to walk in the right direction. And so where we pick up this morning as we see that we see where Paul wants our life to reflect in action what we say we believe that as Christians, that He wants us to be walking in this way, calling us to walk in this way, that reflects what we truly believe. And so we're going to pick up, and I'm going to read first verses 17 17 through 20 in Ephesians chapter 4, if you could follow with me there. Verse 17, I'll be reading out of the ESV. It says, Now this I say, and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds, They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. I love how Paul, he starts out right here by saying, says, this is not you anymore. So what he's speaking of when he says that uh, did not walk as the Gentiles do, he's not talking about necessarily a specific group of people, but he's talking about a mindset, that he's talking about unbelievers. He's talking about these people that are alienated from God, which is not who a Christian is. Remember earlier on in Ephesians, we said you're citizens of heaven, that you're citizens of God's kingdom. And then so we as believers, if you're a believer here this morning, you are not alienated from God. Your heart is not hardened by the Lord. It is softened by the work of his spirit, that, that all these things have happened for you. And so what what Paul is saying here is he's saying, Walk as you are. For a Christian, there is a way that is and there is a way that was. There's this obvious break from who I used to be to who I am now. And so Paul is telling us there, he's saying, Walk in the way that you are. Walk in the way that you are. Turn and walk the way that you will. Walk in this practice. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, the new has come. And I love in verse 20 right there where he says, he says, But that is not the way you learned Christ. Speaking to believers, he's saying the way that they walk is not the way you learned Christ. And so what we have to know about that phrasing right there is that he's not saying what you learned about Christ. Because listen, there's, there's a difference between learning about something and learning something, right? Because I can have a lot of knowledge about something but not have the understanding and the, the, the desire uh, as that object. You know, I can know a lot about Christ. You know, I can have a head knowledge full of things about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. But to learn Christ, to know him intimately, to have a relationship with Jesus is far more heavy and weighty and life changing than just to have a lot of head knowledge because head knowledge changes nothing. But to have a heart knowledge, to understand who Jesus is, to learn Christ changes your life. And so what he tells us right there is that this is not how you learned Christ. This is not what you learned of Christ. There's a difference between learning about and learning. And if, if, uh, Ephesians 5.1, kind of jumping to the beginning of chapter 5, he says this. This is what it looks like to learn Christ. He says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. So he's given us kind of an illustration there because if you're a parent here this morning, then you know that your children most of the time, love the things you love, right? As you raise them, they're interested in the things you're interested in. They love the things you love. They, they're drawn to the things you're drawn to. And so what Paul is telling us there is he's telling us as believers that if we are intimately connected to, Lord, the, to the Lord and imitating Him and mimicking Him and learning Christ, not learning about Christ, but learning Christ's character, learning what Christ does, learning what Christ has done for me and resting and walking in that... He calls us to imitate that we will want to be like God. We will want to imitate him. We will want to mimic him. We will want to replicate him because children love the things their parents love. And if we are a child of God, we will love the things our father loves. And so what does that mean for us? That's kind of our position. That's kind of wrapping up some things that we talked about at the beginning of the chapter, talking about who we are in Jesus, what that means for us. And so moving forward, we're going to see the illustration kind of change and what it looks like when Paul is calling us to do something. And what he's telling us to do is to dress for a new walk, to dress for a new way, to dress for a new occasion. You know, that not only unity, and this is that idea of not only unity around me, but unity within me. That, that the way I believe and the way who, the, who I say I am would be united with the way that I walk, the way that I talk, the way that I live my life. And so this is where Paul is coming at and will, what he's trying to communicate to us is that we would be dressing for a new wall. Because listen, there are things, you know, as, as you get older, as, you, as things change in your life, there are things that just don't fit the same anymore, right? There's clothing that just doesn't work for you the same way it is. Listen, when I was younger, I was, I was all about visors, all right? I would wear a visor, a little open top. Listen, a visor is not the best choice for me anymore. Uh, I, I, I'm going to get a sunburn. It's going to be nasty. It's going to be bad for everybody. You know, also, I, I used to be all about, whenever I was athletic and chiseled and just really rocking it, I know you look at me now and you're like, man, you're in great shape. I'm not in great shape at all. But I used to wear, you know, under armor and sleeveless shirts and just walk around all proud. Listen, nobody wants that right now. I think my shoulders down to my wrists are the same size. Like, there's nothing impressive. There's nothing that's communicating anything good. But those things changed within me. Listen, when I was younger, I used to wear character pajamas. You know, if I was doing those things now, you would think I was strange. Listen, I do occasionally wear like a Star Wars t-shirt or something to bed, but Listen, don't judge me for that. Uh, that. That's adult stuff right there. I tell my kids, that's not for you. That's for, that's for daddy. But listen, so things change. There are things that you used to wear that don't lay the same on. You don't fit the same or aren't made for you anymore. And so what Paul is wanting us to understand is that there is a wardrobe that you are drawn to wear that is not meant for you anymore. There is a wardrobe that you're drawn to wear that is not meant for you anymore. And we're going to see that illustration play out, picking up in Ephesians 22, reading down to verse 24, if you'll read with me. So he says in verse 22 to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Charles Spurgeon said this. He says, every man is two men. Every believer in Christ is what he was and not what he was. The old nature and the new nature exist at the same time and the new life struggles against the old death. Listen, when we come to life in Christ, when we are new in Jesus, it does not get rid of that old nature. That old nature sticks around. The things that I used to want to do, guess what? Whenever I become a believer, I still wanted to do those things. Whenever, whenever I became a believer, my whole mindset, my whole desires and everything didn't magically change in a moment. God worked on me God progressively sanctified me and that's the same work he does with us and so for us as Christians and I know all of us can attest to this and sometimes we try to pretend like it's not the case well I don't struggle with those things that I used to I'm not drawn to those things that I used to be when then there are people that 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 are living in that old self because they can't shake the old the old self and so what God is calling us to is he's calling us to walk and wear the new man and that whenever we're saved. We are changed. The very essence of who we are changes, but we add another outfit. We add another wardrobe to our spiritual closet that we have options now. When before all we wore was the old man, all we wore was the deceitful desires, all we wore was the shame, all we wore was the sin, all we wore was the guilt, all we wore was what drew us to sin. And now when we become a believer in Christ by putting our faith in Jesus' work on the cross, we now have a new wardrobe. We now have something new we can wear. We now have something else that we can walk in. And not only do we have something else to walk in, we have a new occasion to dress for. Because I'm not the same as I was before. I've been saved. I've been changed. I love that song. and I might just start singing it. You never know. <laughs> Listen, you dress. Paul is calling us to dress for the right identification and for the right occasion. You dress differently depending on the occasion, right? If, if, if I got a job at Pizza Hut, I'm not gonna wear my Domino's t-shirt to Pizza Hut, right? If I got a job at AT&T, I'm not wearing my Sprint shirt there. Okay, so God tells us. He, and Paul is telling us here. He says, "You have a new wardrobe, and not only do you have a new wardrobe, but you have a new occasion. You have a new identification to wear in that time. And so, what God, what Paul is calling us to do is calling us to wear that because we are a new creation, walking in a new uh, occasion, a new purpose, new intentions, a new direction. And so, what I need us to understand before we move too much further is what I am not saying is I'm not talking about salvation." I'm not talking about us putting something on to be saved or doing something to be saved. Because we know, as we talked about earlier in Ephesians, you are saved by grace through faith. It is not by the works of man so that any man could boast. It is by grace through faith. And so it's not what I do that saves me. And we know that because in Ephesians 4, chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 30, he tells them here in verse 30, he says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So he's talking to this person that has the ability to to wear the old self. He tells them that you're sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you to do something to be saved, but I'm calling you to walk in the life that God's given you. I'm calling you to walk in that confidence that God has blessed you with. That it's not what I do dictating what I wear, but what I wear dictating what I do. That I would wear the new me to dictate how I walk. That I would wear the new me to dictate who I am to the people around me and how I function in my life. What he's calling us to do is to shed a wardrobe that isn't made for you anymore. If you're a Christian, he's calling us to shed that off. To take it off. To let go of it. Because even as putting on different clothes, you know, in your real life, putting on different clothes will change the way that you think about yourself and see yourself, putting on a different conduct, putting on that new man will start to change your attitudes. This means that we shouldn't wait to feel like the new man before we put on the new man, okay? That we shouldn't wait to feel like I've got everything together before we, before we live life putting on the new man, trying to walk in that new life that God's given us. Because remember, like I said, a lot of what we think doesn't change drastically the moment we put our faith in Christ, that there's that time that we work through and that Paul is calling us to put on that new man. And I think one of the best illustrations of this, and and you could turn with me if you want to, we're not going to be there too long, but in John chapter 11, John chapter 11, we see a very familiar story, a very beautiful situation that is so Reflective of what God's done for us and in us in our life. But in John chapter 11, we see a situation where the spirit of God, where uh, Jesus has been made aware that a friend of his has died. We know this man to be Lazarus and that his sisters come to him and they say, listen, please come. See about Lazarus. And we just see God's, Jesus' compassion in this. It said that he loved him. This is where we see the, the shortest verse in scripture in verse 35 of John 11 where Jesus wept. Like just his compassion for his people. It says that he loved. He was just overcome with love and overcome with charity and concern for his friends and for Martha and Mary who were there. He was just, he just had love for them. And so what do we know? We know that how the story goes is that Jesus would say, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus come out. And so what, is, what does he do? So Lazarus, it, we see he is there. He is brought back to life. He has been saved from death. He is brought back to life, not by any work of his own, but by the work of Jesus. He is brought back to life. And then I love how the rest of these verses go in verse 44. It says, the man who had died came out, of, came out his hands and feet bound with linen stripes, and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Listen, Jesus called him out, but when he came out, he was still dressed as if if he was dead. He was still dressed in his, his death garments. And so what did Jesus say? Take those off. Take those off. Even though he was alive, he still looked dead. Even though he was living and walking and and and, 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 and out of the grave He still looked dead. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, remove his grave clothes, remove these cloths, remove these linen, remove these things that have bound his mouth up that he can't speak, that have have tied his hands together so that he can't work and have tied his feet together so he can't walk. So listen, there is a way at which me as a believer, I can be alive in Jesus Christ, but still be dressed as if I am walking in death that I can be bound up in my feet, not walking the way God's called me to walk, that my hands can be bound, that I can not be working the way that God has called me to work, and that my mouth is bound up, that I cannot be speaking the truth in the life that God has called me to speak in my life. You know, it's like a prisoner released from prison that still wears his prison clothes and acts like a prisoner. You know, the first thing we would tell that person is change your clothes, man. That's not you anymore. You're not a prisoner. This isn't who you are anymore. Stop wearing that. Stop acting that way. You're different. You know, for, many, for us, many times our problem is that we are not clothed for victory. We are clothed as victims. You know, as a believer, we forget who we are in Jesus. We forget what he's done for us. Because just like this situation with Lazarus, Jesus has done the raising. We do the walking. All right. Jesus had brought him back from the dead. The hard work had been done, but he was still wearing grave clothes that had bound him up. That was keeping him from functioning, keeping him from moving, keeping him from speaking and interacting as a child of God. So Jesus has done the raising. We do the walking. Jesus has done the saving, not shaving. Jesus has done the saving and we do the shedding. Okay. we take off the old man. Jesus brings us back to life. But we still have a responsibility. There's an active role, an active part that we play in our sanctification process and our progressive growth growing towards the image of Christ is that we take off the old man. We actively put off sin. You know, too often we play the victim. Well, I can't overcome this. I can't defeat this. I can't walk past this. And what Paul is telling them here, you pull that off. You stop wearing that. That's not you anymore. And if you wear it, you're choosing to wear it. Because you're changed. Because you're different. Because listen, what Jesus has done for us, it's not just a washing, it's a replacing. Jesus hasn't renovated us. Jesus has transformed us. That as a believer, you are something brand new. Something brand new. And so what is our part to play in this? What is our part to play? Like I said, is our part to play is to put off. Is to take off. And the Bible is really clear on, on some of those things that we see right here in the text that he tells us to, to put off. You know, the first thing we see in verse 25, he says to put off falsehood, to start speaking the truth, not only to the people around you, but speak the truth to yourself. Speak the truth about your weaknesses. Speak the truth about where you fall and fail. Speak the truth about who you are and speak that to other people. Telling the truth in all situations. In verse 26, he says, put off anger leading to sin. He's not saying never be angry. But later on in in that same verse, he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. He puts a timeline on it. He says, don't let anger fester. Don't let anger just consume you. Don't let anger drive you because it will lead to sin. And so he says, put that off. Put off anger. In verse 28, stealing. You know, and it kind of gives this idea of a man who or a man or a woman who is working, who is laboring for what they have. You know, that you would not uh, that you would be earning what we have so that and later on that verse, he says, so that you can give. So that you can do for others, so that you can love, so that you can encourage, so that you can give monetary or, or momentary gifts so that you can give. And verse 29 says, put off corrupting talk. This is cancerous communication. He says, be building people up. Be giving grace to the people who hear you. He says, put off corrupting talk. And he also gives this idea of putting off a a set of emotions. Those emotions being bitterness, wrath, clamor, and slander. In verse 31, you know, bitterness, letting go of things that have consumed us that that, that we have against other people. Letting those things go. You know, when we've been hurt by somebody, letting those things go. You know, I've always said that bitterness, when we hold on to bitterness, it's like allowing someone to live in your mind rent-free. They're consuming you. It says, let put off bitterness. Put off bitterness. He says, put off wrath. This is anger leading to sin. Put that off. It says, put off clamor, which is just, just, just shouting, uh, uh, just anger, just this, this emotion of, uh, of aggression. And then it says, put off slander. Do not be those people that as Christians, we should not the pe- be the people tearing other people down. He says, put off slander. Put off that speech. Put off the, this, this reason that you think that you have the right to tear somebody else apart. When if you look at yourself, you have your own failures and faults you're fought, fighting through. So he says, put off slander. And then so what do we put on? And he tells us here in these verses, the first thing he says is when we put on the new man... That we're putting on the likeness of God in righteousness and holiness. Remember, righteousness is our standing before God. Holiness is our standing being set apart among other people. That we are different. And so he says, when we put on the new man, we are walking in a communion with God the Father. Because of not my righteousness, not my goodness, but because of Jesus Christ's righteousness and goodness that I can now wear. He tells me to put that on and and in that holiness, that set apart, that I am different, that he says put on kindness in the way that we treat people and deal with people. He says to put on tender heartedness, that we have compassion and concern and love for people, forgiving one another. And in that same verse, he says, as Christ has forgiven you, forgive people. Then he says, walk as children of light, that nothing's hidden. Walk walk as children of wisdom, not to to walk with our eyes open according to his revealed will, according to the will of God. So putting on these things, walk in this new man. That's what God has called us to. Colossians 3.10 says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator, Colossians 3, 12 through 14, and above all these, put on love. This is that agape that we talked about a few weeks ago. Agape, this, this intentional, purposeful love that, that delights in the object of his love. It says, put on agape love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So he says, put these things on, put this on. Be, let this be what you wear. Let this be what people see. Because remember, what we put on isn't just for us. What we put on is visible to those around us. So he says, put these things on. So I know the biggest question, the question I had to ask myself and the question that maybe you're asking yourself is, well, how do I put off the old man? How do I put off the old man? And listen, the thing that we have to understand is that this is no easy task to put off the old man is no easy task. Listen, because even though we're different, even though we're made clean by the blood of Jesus and made, made, made uh, new, that we're still going to be drawn to those old, dirty clothes that we once wore. And how we put off depends on how we approach the old and intend on dealing with it. Listen, I know for me, and maybe this is the same way for you, I dress for comfort and convenience. Whatever's close Whatever feels right, that's what I'm grabbing for. And listen, the things I wear constantly, you know where they're at? They're right in the middle of my closet and they're right on top of all my clothes in the drawer. And those are the things I grab. Those are the things I wear. No matter how faded, worn out, stained up they get, those are the things I wear. Listen, and a lot of us in life, the reason we're drawn to our old life, our old manner, our old way of walking is because it's comfortable and it's convenient. It's the easiest thing for us to grab because we know it fits. Even though it's filthy, we know it fits. We know it feels right. We know that I've I've walked in it before. I can walk in it again. So how do we put off the old life? The Bible is very clear that the way we put off the old life is crucifying the old life. We put our old life to death. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My old life has to die. My old life has to die. And this isn't a one-time death. This is a daily death. My life, my old self, my old manner has to die. John Owen, a theologian from the 1600s, he said it just like this, and it's amazing how people uh, hundreds of years ago can say things that are so applicable to this very moment right now. He says, be killing sin or it will be killing you. Church, to wear our old nature is like wearing a weighted vest in the middle of the ocean that we will constantly be fighting to keep our head above water but constantly be drawn to the bottom. That's what our old self does to us. It drags us down. It brings us back. It pulls us away from the life-giving breath that God has for us to experience as His children. And so for us, to put off our old self, we have to put it to death. Colossians 3.5 says, Put to death, death, therefore, what is earthly within you. Crucify it. Crucify it. And so for us to learn, how do I crucify my old self? How do I crucify the old nature, the old wardrobe? How do I crucify that daily? And the way that we do that is we look at the crucifixion of Christ. And we follow that example. And there are some things that I, that I, I want us to see, to see. These six things that we can learn from Christ's crucifixion, that teach us how to crucify our old life. The first thing we have to understand is that the crucifixion is voluntary. Voluntary. We know Jesus went to the cross voluntarily, right? Jesus went because He wanted to go and because He was following the obedience of His Father. He chose to be on that cross. Christ had every ability and every opportunity to take himself off the cross. He was even mocked, and they told him, Why don't he, if he's the Son of God, why does he not take himself off that cross? Jesus had every ability to do it, but he chose not to. Listen, the first step to crucifying our old self is choosing to do it. The first step to stepping in the new life, wearing the new you as a believer in Jesus, is to choose to put to death the old things. And listen, I'm not saying that's easy. But what I am saying is that's daily for some of us. Maybe it's moment to moment, hour to hour, minute to minute. We must choose daily against our best arguments, our best rationale and our best justification, voluntarily choosing to put it to death. I can't choose for you to put something to death in your life that's holding you back. You have to choose. You have to choose. The second thing is that it is violent. The crucifixion of Jesus was violent, church. It was bloody. It was painful. To put to death your old nature, it will be a fight because sin struggles against us. Sin wants to stay. Our old self wants to be there with us. Charles Spurgeon said this He said, Sin struggles vigorously in the best of men. Outward sins are, in most cases, soon conquered, but inward sins are hard. To overcome, Listen, especially those sins that we've, we've been struggling with for years and have hidden away are those sins that we've lied about. Those sins are going to fight us tooth and nail to stay in the place that they're at. And if you're experiencing those right now, you know that. You know that that sin, that old manner that you're trying to leave behind, it's fighting you. Listen, the fight is violent. In every one of these, and I'm just going to say it right now, the fight is violent. But the continuous thing will be don't give up. Don't give up don't give up don't give up the fight is violent the next thing is that it is painful the crucifixion was painful and for us to crucify our old manner will be painful it will hurt there will be sacrifice there will be anguish there will be misery there will be cost when we start to crucify these sins within our life and crucify our old self it will cost us something sometimes it's gonna cost us time it's going to cost us effort. It may cost us people in our life that we have to push away. That drag us back to that old nature. But it will be painful. You know, I, 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 as we have conversations with couples and things that are struggling through things, the constant thing that we're always saying is anything worth having is worth working hard for. And listen, if walking in your new man is worth it, and it is because Jesus has told us. He has called us to a life more abundant. But to walk in that life, we have to crucify our old self. And we have to understand that that crucifixion is going to hurt us. It is going to be tough. It is going to be painful to crucify the old nature. The next thing is that a crucifixion is slow. It's not an instant death. And so not only do you have to not give up, but you have to be patient. Because it's going to be a fight. It won't be instant. Our old man will linger on the cross. The old self will linger on the cross in our life. It'll constantly beckon to us. It will call to us. It will be a slow death. So not only do we have to be patient with others as they deal with these things, but we have to be patient with ourselves as individuals when we are trying to put to death our old self because that death will linger. And as you push one out, another one's going to take its place. So there's going to be this constant push. And it's going to take time. It's going to be slow. So not only is crucifying our old nature voluntary and violent and painful and slow. But the last thing that it should be is it should be visible. You know, the crucifixion of Jesus was visible. It was made for everyone to see. His death was visible to everyone. Listen, and so the death of our sin should be visible in how we respond and how we move forward in our life how we're acting, how we're communicating. It should be known. It should be public in a trusted environment of one or two people. There should be people in your life that are stepping and walking in with you, especially for those sins that are really working on us, that are really holding us back, that are really coming back to us, and that are really fighting against us, that we would make it visible to someone else in our life to help us walk through that. That if there is no visible difference, there is no invisible difference. That if there is no visible difference on the outside, more than likely there's no invisible difference going on anywhere else in our life. So to crucify, we have to make it visible. Make it known. Let it be seen. Whether that's from one person, two people, your church, family, however that looks, that you would make it visible. Not only in how you're communicating it, but then also how you're walking and living. That you are taking active steps, visibly active steps, to walk against those sins. To walk against that nature. And to strip it off. So this morning, as we finish up, I just want to ask you to stand. Landon, if you could come and play for us for just a second. And um, you can stand with us. Everybody's reluctant. But well, we're going to wrap up here this morning. And, and I just, I hope that you can see this morning that, that God's call to you in your life is to put on the new you. That if you're a believer here this morning, that God is calling you to put on a wardrobe that you're meant to wear. A new you that you're meant to, 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 to have on. And listen, and maybe, maybe you haven't put your faith in Christ. Maybe you haven't recognized that you are sinful and that you need saving. And the Bible says just believe. Just believe and put your faith in Him, believing that what He has done is enough and that it's not what you do, but it's what He does. And in that, you can begin to wear that new nature. You can begin to wear that new wardrobe. And for us this morning, I just want to leave us with three challenges as you move forward. As you look, you're you're looking into the spiritual cause of your life right now. And you're seeing that old nature that you constantly grab for because it's comfortable and convenient. And maybe it's the wardrobe that you're wearing more often than any other. Maybe it's the wardrobe that's dictating the way that you behave and the way that you act and the way that you move and the way that you love your family and the way that you do your job and the way that you minister at your church or whatever it may be. That you would hear the call of Christ in your life to wear your new nature. To crucify the old, to wear the new. And these three challenges that I want to give to you this morning before we finish up. The first thing is to recognize the old nature. Recognize what it is in your life that is drawing you back to who you were before Jesus, that is drawing you away from the walk in the light that Christ has called you to. is drawing you back to those things that are making you a victim rather than a victor that you would recognize the old nature the second thing is to crucify the old nature remembering that it's going to have to be voluntary it'll be violent it'll be painful it'll be slow and it'll be visible but to crucify choose daily choose moment to moment to put to death those things that draw you back to a manner of life that is not you anymore And the third thing that I want to encourage you to do is in that, to wear the new nature confidently and constantly, that you would wear, you would choose daily to wear the new you, that you would walk in the new you, that you would be confident in the new you, that you would live in that daily. So church, I want to ask you to bow your heads with us this morning, and we're going to pray together. I I ask you to pray where you're at, and then I'm going to pray over you, and that Our prayer would be these challenges, not only for ourselves but for each other. To recognize the old, crucify the old, and wear the new confidently and constantly. Let's pray this morning. Father God, I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you came from heaven to earth with the intentions on dying for sinful man to give us new garments to wear. That, God, that we no longer have to walk in the grave clothes of our death. But, Christ, we know that you've given us the ability to walk in newness of life. With a new wardrobe. With a new self. With a new conduct. With a new attitude. God, And know it's we know it's not going to be our natural draw. That the, we're not going to naturally be drawn to the new self. Because that old self is going to constantly be coming to us. It's going to constantly be the thing we're drawn to, God. So I pray this morning. I I pray we recognize the old self. I pray every single one of us recognizes the old self, its sinful ways and the the desires and the deception that it speaks into our life. God, that we would choose to crucify the old self daily. Understanding that I have to choose to do it. that it's going to be violent, that it's going to be painful, that it's going to be slow. And Lord, that it would be visible. God, that we would crucify our old self. And the last thing, God, I pray that we would be wearing that new nature confidently and constantly, not only for ourselves, but for the world around us to see, walking as children of light, not hidden, but seen a city on a hill God, I pray that that would be our motivation in our families. God, I pray that that would be our motivation as individuals. God, I pray that that would be our motivation in our churches. God, I pray that it would be our motivation in our communities. and everything that we do, in every way that we behave, it would be motivi- motivated by what we believe about you and what you've done for us. God, that there's not one bit of us that's worthy of anything you've given us. God, but you look at us Lord, and your word tells us that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. But you gave us a new wardrobe to wear, God. And I pray that we would walk in that wardrobe daily. Father, I pray for those that individual here this morning that just desperately needs your love and grace. God, I pray they put their faith in you, receive you as their Savior this morning. Lord, and that they would celebrate that and walk in there. God, I pray blessings over these people. I pray blessing over this church and everything that we want to do in this community. In communion with the other churches in this in this town, God, I pray that you would just use us in a mighty way to reach the lost and dying world around us, and evangelize the lost, God, and just love the people. God, I pray that we would just seek you passionately and love the people around us intentionally. God, glorifying you in the midst of all. Of you. God, we love you, Lord. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.